transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Hello there and welcome to Make Me an Island of Ireland. We've lost track here, but this is episode number 44 apparently for anyone keeping count. Now, if you missed our little announcement last week, Ian Cudmore and I have started a new series called We Are The Makers. We'd love you to listen to it, simply because we believe strongly in it and if you've been following the Make Me an Island series, then we think you'd enjoy a sail down this new tributary with us. You'll find a link to it in the notes of that same newsflash. Speaking of belief and journeys, it's hard to fathom that it's almost been a year since we started making these shows. Of course, it's been a calendar year like no other, where concepts of time, along with patience and willpower, have been stretched beyond breaking points repeatedly, so who knows anymore. Far from running out of steam, however, our only concern at this point is how to keep the show on the road for as long as possible. As always, I want to thank our patrons for getting us to this point. If you are one of those, and you can afford to keep supporting us for another year, then your dedication to the cause matches our commitment to it, and we're eternally grateful for your investment in our labour of love. This private service broadcasting model is really more about validation than remuneration, and the soundness of the people who can afford it doing so not only enables the shows to get made, but allows lots of other less well-endowed music lovers like myself to join us on the journey. It's not a matter of looking to get rich, it's merely a kind of creative doll which doesn't keep wolves from the door but can go a long way to justifying one's existence, no mean feat. Now before I start to sound like someone badgering you for your vote or selling you some magic beans, I'll move on to the delights in store in our show today. Singing, playing or writing, Conor O'Brien is one of the most gifted artists ever to do it. From the very first demos, the arc of the villager story has pointed upwards, always reaching for the higher ground, a climb like no other. We're delighted to say that we joined him at the top of the mountain in December. The venue was the Sugar Club, and here's what transpired, beginning with a sublime version of My Lighthouse. a friend for to follow for to fend and I haven't got a clue if I'm getting through to you my lighthouse In the violent moonlight I am searching the tide In a vessel in the storm And you're the kind host in the port My lighthouse Time it took to write 
this song and we'll beat the ghost with our bare hands and we'll skin the corpse and we'll love and laugh and we'll dance all everlasting day and you'll sing to me everything that I meant to say and we'll drink to the gentle the meek and the kind and the funny little flaws in this earthly design from the reaper band to the sunder band I will heed your call from the dust and sand and I'll save all my stories for thee I'll save all my stories for Beautiful start. Um, Thank you. <laughs> we have it's an a audience. Gig. We're in an a audience. Gig. <laughs> um, Connor, I just want you to put a date on it for me. Um, the last time I saw you play a show was in Vicar Street with your, your wonderful uh, last touring configuration. Um, so when would that have been? Do you, that would have been uh, almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just tell you what that showed it to me. I mean, um, there's been many configurations of villagers all the way, um, but um, I think it was a really ambitious and great thing realized that tour. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I haven't spoken to you since then. So um, was it as good as it looked from the other side? Yeah, well, like for me, that the day, I think it was the second gig or maybe the first gig, there was two, two Vicar Street shows and... Uh, um, uh, Donna Lunny came on. We did uh, Wild Met in Time, and that was kind of a dream come true for me. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It just it, it made me kind of. Uh, rem I remembered it about a week ago. I was like, that was the day that Donal yeah. uh, played some bazooki on yeah. Wild Met in Time, and it. Uh, um, yeah, it was quite emotional because of obviously everything that's been happening since. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and how many people uh, remind me what the configuration of the group was there was a lot of people in that outfit yeah that was a big one so that was um full band so there was um uh, brendan on keys and kev on keys and then danny on bass and ross on drums all incredible musicians and then we also had um uh, a brass band with us as well yeah um, which was fun because i've been sort of learning trumpet and flugelhorn yeah but uh, it was nice to have people on stage who could actually play trumpet and flugelhorn. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, touring with the brass, right? Does, does what does the brass do when it comes to like the effect on a crowd and, and sort of when you're yeah. working a show? I just love it. I just yeah. I've always been really attracted to brass um, brass bands and um, uh, brass sections. And there's something. I think it's just so kind of. Um, the word like guttural and like there's the, the it just kicks you in the chest you know right. when you go see a band and there's a really great brass section yeah. and the, the frequencies are just such that you just for certain songs I think if they're really beautifully scored um, 
with a brass section, it can really um, elevate the song yeah. um, to, to, to a whole other dimension for me. Just yeah. that's my person. It's just my feeling, you know. Sure, I, I, yeah. I love I love brass very much. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the the act of touring then with uh, the art of pretending to to swim, um, like. Uh, was that the most ambitious tour yet in terms of the scale, not just in terms of the show? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was the biggest shows we'd ever done. I'd ever, like, it was, last year was crazy. Yeah. Um, we played to, like, a full roundhouse in London, which we'd never done before. And yeah. we did the Ivy Gardens, which we'd never done before. And it was all, tickets were all sold out. Yeah. So I was like, what's going on? It, was, it blew my mind. Yeah. Um, there's some, like, because there's something that's, um, I've seen you play outside of the country, and the thing is that like it's 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 really reassuring and wonderful to see. But there is um, a growing and um, um, yeah, a huge audience there. Totally, yeah. and I, th- I just feel like maybe fans, you yeah, know? I think there's just a lot of brass lovers. Maybe <laughs> they've heard that there's a brass section. You know? Brass lover. <laughs> uh, but Connor, just on on. To, to, to bring it forward to this year, right? So that's, I really wanted to, to ask you that at the beginning because I would say that just from the point of view of somebody who has seen probably all of the different uh, villagers' outfits, um, that I just, I can distinctly recall the, the feeling of walking home from that show being so blown away and that afterglow that comes from sound. Look, there has to be a little bit of uh, blowing smoke, but <laughs> just that. So that's kind of, I suppose, a peak of sorts. Little did we know what was to come, right? But so, so, but there must be a feeling of like having kind of like done it to the max under your belt before you had to kind of reorganize and, and think anew, right? That yeah. At least that there was that, you know? I really feel, I kind of feel like with the last um, tour, last year's tour, that I kind of built up a little arsenal of um, um, ideas and like a little hierarchy of, of the way... I wanted to build and arrange the music and let it kind of flow live. Yeah. And I'm sort of building on that again uh, this year with this album that I'm writing, which is I've kind of I've done that before, but I really feel like this is kind of th- th- I'm taking it a little bit more to, to to a more extreme level now, where I'm where I'm using kind of um, um, arrangement ideas that I had or or, or ideas of how to um, perform the songs in a live setting, and I'm developing on those specific ideas um, yeah. whilst writing these new songs okay. kind of thing so it's kind of exciting yeah, it's yeah. Kind of so so what you like you're taking a lot of what you've that information from doing that for so long in such yeah. a way and uh, into like informing your process at this point yeah just letting it trying to trying to keep it natural but you know yeah. like fingers crossed we're going to be playing live again and yeah. then if we do i feel like I don't know, there was something magic that happened last year that I really want to um, build on, you know. Yeah. I want to keep going with that. And by last was, year, you mean? What year is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, by last actually, year, you're dead right, because by the time <laughs> this will be transmitted, it will definitely be last year, this year. It will be history. Whoa. Um, so, but <laughs> Hey, listen, messing with time and space is just one of the things that we do. Um, so, um, look, Connor, we're going to... I want to come back to what you did this year, right, with uh, your work and, and what's to come, uh, what we, we can expect. But in between all of that, um, I asked you to choose some music... And one of the pieces, um, I'm familiar with many of the others, but um, one of the pieces I'd never heard before. And so thank you for introducing me to Piero Umiliani. Um, do you know much about this man's work? Um, I don't know a huge amount about him, but the reason I chose it is because I, I was doing a lot of visual 
stuff recently, visual art recently. Yeah, I noticed that. Lo- lockdown, um, kind of was kind of my new lockdown kind of vibe. And, um, and I, I started finding instrumental music to be really, really helpful and enjoyable to listen to. It's just music with no words, you know. Yeah. And then I got deep into kind of library music, music written for films and music written as like part of like a, um, you know, they might write a song called, um, you know, Sad Day or something. And then that will get chosen for chosen for a movie, you know, yeah. or something. Yeah. But um, uh, specifically Italian library music, because I think between kind of like 1968 and 74 ish um i just think i think italian library music was like incredible that um, there was another person called alessandro alessandroni uh-huh. i think i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly who's um yeah really um one of my favorites as well but what i love about piero umiliani and this track is that it's just yeah. based on texture and tone yeah. and i just you know you know, like it's hard to describe why you like music, but this this just instantly transports me into a place, and it's just so evocative, and um, and I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Let's let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. Yeah, that's the amazing um, title stream uh, dedicated to Rico, um, who's on sound. Um, and Rico, Sugar Club, uh, Make Me an Island Special 2021. You're going to talk about Piero Umiliani. Um, but for now, um, Connor, I 
I love that textural um, description, and it is so that, isn't it? It's just purely, um, I mean, it's, you, can, yeah. you can see it. Yeah, there came a point when I was listening to so much music that had no words or lyrics that I started to feel that like music which had words was just biased and it was ruining the music. Like The, yeah, the words right. were kind of taking away from allowing you to fully take in the tones and stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and how how long did you feel like that as a songwriter? Actually, it completely influenced uh, stuff I was doing this year. So yeah, I finished. We finished. I finished doing the main bulk of the recording for the Villages record just as the very first lockdown hit. So yeah, had all the files and everything to go and play with in the computer. But as we were doing that, we were bring. I was bringing music to the band who was playing it, and um, so you had all the parts before the actual. No, we can't. Like we. <laughs> Like I brought lots of music, like this, like library music, and also lots of other types of music to the band, and and we would sort of, I would bring sort of vaguely finished ideas, and we would mm -hmm. jam them together in a room, and I'd never done that before really, because okay. I'm a bit of a control freak, you know, I always yeah. want to finish stuff first yeah. before I show it to even musicians or anything. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of the first time I'd really leave it, let people in. Yeah. We did like long jams, and then later yeah. on we kind of took edited them and stuff yeah. and so that's kind of this kind of music was kind of inspiring for that you oh, know? okay wow Which i can't good. wait to see yeah. what comes out of that yeah i, I ruined it i put words into it so <laughs> i made it i made it um, but i know what like you mean though about you know that there being something i mean but again as a songwriter you're in a totally different position to to make those judgment calls but um but yeah i suppose um maybe we can hear one of those it's not, is this this next song you're going to play what is actually i was going to play an old another old yeah, song please play. My, yeah, so um, by no means feel you have to yeah um, what is this one this is a song called passing a message and the reason uh i'm playing it is that i uh, um, was who was it? Do you have the list of people that I gave you to play on? Yeah, Dorothy Ashby and Robert Wyatt and Robert Linda, Wyatt. Linda yeah, Pax, so yeah. I was listening. I got back in a big Robert Wyatt buzz recently. Yeah, um, and I was listening to Comic Opera and all the stuff that I first got into with him. And one of the songs reminded me of um, an old song that I'd written, which obviously was very influenced by him. Mm -hmm. So I found it today and just figured out some new chords for it and stuff. Okay, it's, um, beautiful. It's, Thanks, Connor. Yeah, so here we go. It's called Passing. A message. Mm. Here we go. I was carving my name out of a giant sequoia tree. I was blind. To its beauty Now it's all I can see See I've learned How to listen To the folks On TV They are passing A message That means Nothing To me my vertebrate evolution Easy as ABC Baby steps from the ocean Feather trails to the sea Paddlefish to salamander Honeybee 
guess I'm losing my trail here But it takes loss to be free I'm blind to its beauty, but it ain't all that I have, so I'm passing a message like the folks on TV, I guess I'm getting the words out, but they don't from me Paddlefish to salamander Little girl to atrophy I guess we're losing our trail here But it takes loss to be free Beautiful, thanks, Connor. Um, the Robert Wyatt connection. So the um, I, I read different every time the book um, recently, and I mean, you know, everything fascinating man, I think, in so many different ways. Um, where do you start? Um, where do we start? <laughs> but um, the songwriting. I mean, as uh, you, you say, so that you 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 say is is very much. Yeah, like he's, his he's someone that may, uh, as someone who writes songs as much as I can possibly do it, he's someone that when I listen to him, he makes me feel free. Mm. You know, he makes me realize that you can actually do whatever you want, you yeah. know, which yeah. is uh, a really great feeling. Um, and I remember just being, I think the first album I heard from him was Com Comic Opera, which I think was 2007. Um so I was already kind of a dedicated music fan for about, you know, about 10 years at that stage, whatever. Yeah. But um, just then going backwards and, and finding Sleep and Rock Bottom and yeah. all that stuff and Soft Machine and all that stuff. And, yeah. Um, just, yeah. He was one of, it was one of the, the, the album Sleep was one of the albums that I brought into the uh, rehearsal rooms when we were doing the, this recent Villages album. Because yeah. I was like, if we can have some sort of, um, if, we, if we're able to, maintain some sort of level of um anarchy or something without yeah you know we, we can attach ourselves to to um um we can have structure in the songs but we should instantly allow ourselves to to to, to deviate from that as we're making the music you know because if if you don't do that you're just you know working to a blueprint all the time yeah or whatever. right so it was, yeah it was like one of the guys and, and so that 
is the is the freedom that you're talking about there that, that he gives you mm. that he kind of confers that upon mm. you because it's it's inherent in his work and but, he's got a sense of humor as well you know oh well god but look read the, the book is amazing right so if you I haven't read the book yet, like it's a really great uh robert compa- or sorry robert white companion you know but uh he you know, so the humor thing, right? Like, you know, he could easily be a man who could have, with what happened to him and him being paralyzed, um, how many people would have the strength and the resolve to kind of go that way yeah. of seeing life for, you know, in such a way that he he, it, he helps us, you know, with his, I mean, incredible aesthetic and his commitment to that in yeah. the face of adversity, you know? Yeah. And, and it all happened in such a random, crazy way that, you know, uh, I guess who hasn't been in situations that couldn't have gone horribly pear-shaped by virtue of having fun or, well, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, that, that sense of humour, that, 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 there's something very British about the kind of absurd that he allows into, you know, almost like the kind of the great comedians like Monty Python or something, as in, <laughs> you know, there's, I don't know, I think I get that often yeah, too, he, you know? Yeah, I think he's definitely from that world of, like, what I love most about his songwriting is that it's kind of about self-interrogation, you know? Yeah. And he's from, like you mentioned Monty Python there, and obviously they're from a generation which was very into self-interrogation yeah. and very into trying to um, use language in, in very interesting ways and, and use comedy in interesting ways. Yeah. And um, I think it's something, yeah, I, I, I just, when I listen to his music, I, I do get that similar sense of... Um, it's a tragic comedy, the whole yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. And, and you get this feeling of, um, you know, something tragic can happen in your life, but you can really use that. Yeah. And, and it can become a yeah. strength. And, and uh, yeah. It's just, I, I think that's that's pretty much sums it up, you know, when it comes to him. I mean, what you say there about the, the examination of self, but the opening line of this wonderful song, um, uh, given free will, but in, in certain, uh, in testament, but within, but within certain limitations. I mean, it's just, what a beautiful turn of phrase. Um, so it's Brian Eno production here, right? So isn't it with... Um, ah, uh, I did not know that. I, I, he, yeah, yeah okay. well, hold on now. Let's confirm after we hear this. This is the, the wonderful uh, Free Will and Testament by Robert Wyatt. Given free will, but within certain limitations. I cannot will myself to limitless mutations I cannot know what I would be if I were not me I can only guess me So when I say 
so full of beautiful invention and ideas and and um, other marvelous ingredients. Um, anything that strikes you there after the listening party, Connor, about the, what's in there? Um, it's just deadly song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so beautiful, you know. The chords. It's one of those songs that you can you can choose to focus on certain aspects, or you can let go of the ones. Yeah, and it all that's good, isn't it? Well, the song that. that allows you to do that I gives you the that, card. Yeah. Is that how? So I'm I'm really interested about this thing about the you feeling about the sound and how words, whether or not they fit in there, and and how that kind of. So obviously, as a songwriter, you know you have to resolve that in order to continue. But um, so um. Is there some kind of happy medium in a song? Do you think that there's some kind of magic form? Well, there's no magic formula, but there's some happy medium in a song that it does. Okay, there's information there about what's the feelings behind the song, yeah. and the texture, or the words, and the uh, narrative. But then there's enough there to allow you to dream your own dream in there. Yeah, Is that totally. the ideal situation. I think. Yeah, I think if I, I think I feel like I've been sort of successful in writing if. Uh, if I'm able to y y use the language so that uh, you, you're not really trying to tell the listener, you know, you're, you're allowing them to have a, a, have an evocative moment, and it, and they do it on their own terms, and then you hold back. Yeah, I've been trying to get more economic with language in yeah. music and trying not to give quite as much information, maybe on it, uh, in, in sense of words, you know, mm. and trying to let the tones and the and the chords do. A bit of the talking, you know. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting one. Well, that, yeah. When you were describing that, there, I was picturing a high wire act. <laughs> well, there's, there's oh. actually there's a whole um, there's there's a um, oh yeah, for, what's well, just Philippe as in Petit. you know, like it's as in trying to make it less, but then also say enough and, and not too much, but you know, just enough and yeah. all those requirements yeah. in the perfect kind of actually, thing. Actually, I was watching an interview with Noam Chomsky recently, and he he weirdly went into this little moment where he talked about the linguistics of. Um, art and songwriting yeah. and he said there's a whole world you can read about that where there's um, linguists discussing what your brain does when it listens to okay. music and uh, and he kind of mentioned he, yeah he sort of said that where it's like for him he enjoys music because you have to do half the work as you're listening to it you know yeah. in the songs and yeah yeah kind of it, it brings yeah. you into a moment in which you have to kind of actively live in mm. order to you know uh, so um, yeah so on that let's go on to one of the most beautiful songs that I've ever heard which is Chima Cum Rain by Linda Perhax right so before I I, I mean I um, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by this song. I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you feel about it. Um, among other things, I mean, what uh, a song that feels about the so like a song that feels like the subject matter that it's about. You know, mm. Chimacum Rain and the word Chimacum. It's an itself. onomatopoeic onomatopoeic song. song. <laughs> Again, like the way that that last Pretty one powder. ended there with the tired thing and the sound suddenly becomes exhausted and kind of peter mm. peters out to sleep. But um, but this one has just that truth in it straight away you know with the rain and her feeling the yeah her voices sound like the pitter patter yeah of the yeah. droplets yeah and they're all dropping down on you as you lay back and let the song yeah soak into you That's and then um, yeah um 
Yeah, I just, I, again, I, I don't know, I find, you know, I find it hard to talk about the reasons why I like songs. Yeah, like no, and I'm sorry for putting you in that position. I think you've said <laughs> no, enough, though. Yeah, but uh, as it is in, I, I kind of like it. I like having, no, I like having to, though. It's a challenge. <laughs> and sometimes things can, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? Okay, so something you said there earlier about not talking about it. I mean, I also find it difficult and I've made a life out of it. Yeah, well, that's cool. No, I like it. I enjoy it. It's just, it's just a challenge because you very rarely actually you know, think about this kind of stuff yeah, literally when you listen to yeah. music, but especially with music like this, because it's so, it's so sensual, yeah. this music, and it's like, um, I remember the first time I heard this song, Jimmy Come Rain, and this the whole album, Par- Parallelograms, yeah. I was just like, like, I was like, who is this, this is me, this is for me, this is for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. soak this all up, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful song, and also in the new Villagers, album which hopefully will be out um, uh, there's a bit in it where um, I was listening to Parallelograms a lot in the last few months because I sampled an interview that she did Uh in the album and there's a bit where it's not actually her talking but it's someone else quoting her in the middle of the music and she says these really amazing things about um, energy and light and darkness stuff that you know what what are they can you remember she's she's talking about an experience that she had um, when she went out into a storm one night, um, I think it was near Laurel, Laurel Canyon, maybe, and 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 she's just basically saying um, that um, uh, she she thought she saw uh, dark and light, but in the most fundamental sense of those words, and she saw the figure of a woman, and then she realised that she had to live for for love, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which it, it just sounds like you know really new agey, yeah, generals generalised whatever. It just sounds, but the way she. You know, uh, um, the, 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 the way she says it is is is, is so beautiful, and and I sort of started to realise that's why her music is so beautiful because even in her interviews she's kind of using language in a sensual way. You know, yeah. she's not trying to be literal about these things because you can't. You know, language yeah. is just a compromise in order to try and get through these ideas, or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, so right. she's kind of. Put in. What a beautiful way of putting it. So um, let's hear it. Chimicum rain. Thank you. 
I guess we've all been in cars that, uh, you know, looking at that set thing of uh, drops going down the <laughs> windscreen with lights behind them. And um, yeah, listening to that song, just that, that natural thing that you say, that flow that's, you know, in, in her words and, and mm. what she's doing. There's um, very few, yeah, she's one of those people that, yeah, she's a great exponent of that. I think Sybil Byer is kind of similar. Yeah. Similar, sorry. Yeah. That just, just seems Otherworldly to be... Otherworldly and ethereal. Yeah, and, and, and in, in, in their own space somehow, uh, by, I don't know, contrived to get in there. Yeah. Um, did you, would you have um, checked out her more recent work? I, I did yesterday. A little bit, yeah. There's some really yeah. nice stuff in yeah, there too. Yeah, there's some really good stuff, yeah. Because um, like, the story of, of I, I wrote a little piece um, about this album, but the story of, of how it happened to kind of disappear is interesting because she, it was really a kind of a, it seems like it was her sticking to her guns about how it should sound, you know? Because there was a record deal and um, all of a sudden there was control where somebody tried to, I can't remember the name of the producer or the uh, record company guy, and he tried to to turn it into, uh, you know, to, to change that. Like she was being a music video with a snake on her. <laughs> <laughs> the snake video. Chimicum! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all the wrong stuff um, in all the, on all the wrong places. It was just that, so that's basically what pulled, that I, that's the story that she, she um, just, you know, was horrified and, and, and retreated. Yeah. Um, but um, I think she's someone who really also likes the idea of authenticity in people. From reading a few more interviews with her as well, there's, I think she, she, she really has an idea about what authenticity is and yeah. what it really means to her. And it's it's something that it goes quite deep, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 um it's just in, yeah I can hear that in her music as well. You yeah. Know? Just the, the, that sense of um, um, just having a constantly having a bit of a bullshit detector on you, you know, while yeah. while you're um 
while you're floating in the rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, there's, there's yeah, you can, yeah, interesting about about her. Kind of yeah, absolutely. Um, so on, we'll move along to one more choice, um, Connor, before we go mm -hmm. back to another um, live song and um, another. Uh, hugely, um, somebody I, whose music I enjoy enormously is Dorothy Ashby. Um, I, so the tune we're about to hear comes from late 60s, I think. Um, read an interview with her last night um, in the Village Voice about her saying about, you know, she had she was a black woman and she played the harp and there were two things that already meant that she had to, you know, um, try a little harder to get noticed. But um, on that Soul Vibration record um, that this one is from, Afro Harping, um, she completely invented her own sound in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I I, uh, I think I was only, I think I only heard about her about a year ago, but... Oh, really, yeah. Um, um, I was instantly just hooked I was like I need I need this you know um, yeah. and I was also on a big Alice Coltrane buzz when I first heard her so it kind of linked up in that way you know yeah um, and two very incredible women who yeah I mean they just seem like like I don't know there's not been many people like them yeah Sun Ra kind of crazy energy like, like crazy energy like cosmic energy yeah. <laughs> from entirely in touch with several other planets um, maybe let's hear it to refresh sure. our, our uh, memories and we'll talk about it the wonderful Dorothy Ashby and Soul Vibrations <laughs>
Um, did you bring Dorothy Ashby into the um, the room for the, the latest villagers? Um, no, I didn't actually. Sessions. No, I don't yeah. think I don't think I played that for everyone. But um, yeah, what, like talk to me about that one. I mean, there's yeah, you first. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, it's just it's so rare you hear kind of um, that instrument, the harp, playing those kinds of lines with the grooviest drummer and yeah. bass player. You know, yeah, and. Um, um, I just think it's it's just really bold and magic and uh, um, and also she played um, with a bunch of other people so she's all over records from around the kind of late sixties and early seventies too so you can you can hear her popping up all over the place yeah um, but it's just so ethereal and, and yeah. beautiful and groovy you know and 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 there's also that real looseness to it which um, you were saying while we were listening to it you know that the way these things were recorded there's just it has the the, the sound with all the trimmings as such you know the, yeah. the quality of the drums and the strings all everything it's just pristine right yeah it's like heaven to an audio file you know you're just yeah. like it, it's stuff that you kind of wish it's stuff that people try to get these days, I think. Yeah. It's when they're making like retro sounding records or whatever. Yeah. But you know, you can always tell when it's a it's it's trying to get that sound, whereas this yeah. is yeah, it's the real deal. Um, how, how do you uh, kind of when you're working right and uh, as an audiophile and um, a man in, in with such commitment to his art, how do you draw the line when when it's when something's done or or, or are you good at that or are you getting better at that? Um, I think that you know that there's always a feeling when, because every song for me has like a, a different timeline. So it's like mm. some some of them I might start three years before I go back to it and finish it. And then okay. other ones I might start and I have it done that day or whatever. So, yeah. but there's always that moment of a little bit of a eureka when you're like, oh, I got it. This is it. Yeah. This is it. And then sometimes you get it wrong. You hear it, listen to it the next day and you're like, Oh no, that's not it. So, 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 so you can mistake a eureka moment for a not like a non eureka moment. <laughs> you can mistake <laughs> non eureka moments are the yeah. worst. <laughs> How to recognize a eureka moment when it is? Um, no, but I mean, okay. So, but that is that is the answer to my question. So there has to be that something has to go. There yeah, it is. There I mean, it is. I, I, I that just, click or I whatever. Get such a buzz from the whole process. Yeah. So it's like. I guess over doing it for whatever twenty years, or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's like um, I just. I suppose I just kind of have to feel it out and, and I've maybe learned that there's certain types of excitement which kind of make me go, that probably means it's finished, you yeah. know. You know. Um, and, and so just talk me through where that kind of, I, I mean, I, I was very lucky to be um, uh, with you when, yeah, we listened to, you know, your last record together, but it was just after it's finished. But where do you go then? I mean, is that when that eureka moment occurs, you know, I mean, walking around with... Where with, do with you go to my <laughs> lovely... Um, you know, so I suppose, yeah, I suppose, yeah, you just, yeah. I don't know. You, yeah, you shut the door and you go home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's done. It's I another know. one. Yeah, on to just, the next one. Yeah. On to the next one. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I suppose I'm just trying to picture kind of, you know, um, sort of, uh, yeah, the, that, that, that moment that you get, which is the reward, I guess, in some ways of, of feeling like, I as think, you say, that pose that you uh, get and you go, oh, wow, yes, there it is. Yeah. I think a lot of it, what a lot of it is, again, I mentioned it earlier, Robert Wyatt, but a lot of it for me is when I feel happiest with a song that I've written, it's usually when I've managed to sort of interrogate myself and figure out right. what my motives are for yeah. certain feelings and kind of m maybe realise, oh, I need to put 
I need to put that one in the bin a little bit and I need to yeah. make sure I'm not starting to think like that. And, you know, yeah. so you're kind of using the writing process as a sort of a self-therapy to a certain yeah. degree. And I used to hate that idea. I used to kind of be kind of, you know, I hated the idea, of, oh, the art is the therapy kind of thing. Yeah. But if I'm being honest with myself, it kind of is. Yeah, it right. sort of makes it kind of, I usually get the best stuff when I've figured something out about um, yeah. complicated shit, you know, that's like, it's, especially now that everyone's living on these little black mirrors and their screens and, yeah. and everyone's kind of making their, you know, a lot of people have opinions because there's a certain social group they are with have the same opinion and stuff. Yeah. And you have to kind of, for me, it's writing is a way of making sure you're maintaining a sort of um, a level of fitness in your brain. So, so you're not just realizing you're getting, you know, captured by certain ideologies or people or anything. You're just always trying to stay alert yeah, and open right, or whatever, right. you know. Yeah, but So there's um, truth in that. And, 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 and that's a, a beautiful answer, Connor. In terms of where things live as they grow in, in, you know, in your work and you have um, things that sometimes don't get finished for many years and sometimes are finished immediately, but so are there a bank of notebooks that are with active ideas from going all the way back? Yeah, there's probably some, I've probably got a few ideas, but not that many. Like, I don't actually, I don't actually write that much, because mostly whatever's out there is most of what I've written. Um, and if there is ideas, they're usually just little voice memos on the phone yeah. or something. Yeah. I, um, if I actually go get into it and, and I'm filling up a page or two on a notebook, that usually means it'll be, it'll, it'll be eventually out there kind of thing. Okay, you know, kind right, of thing. Yeah. I don't write, yeah, I'm not as prolific as I kind of sometimes wish I could be, but it doesn't really, I think it's just all about you have to trust the process regardless of how fast it is or whatever, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, sure. Can yeah. I just ask you about something that I, I um, so way back, uh, however many years ago, I was lucky enough to hear those first uh, villagers demos, right? The, the initial uh, ones. So, the, the quest to find them was successful, I take it. Did you find those recently? Oh, yeah, Richie. Yeah, so <laughs> Richie Jape, Richie yeah. Egan. He, um, hey, Richie. Yeah, hey, Richie. He um, very kindly, because uh, I just thought he might have them, and I, I texted him, and, yeah. and then he said he had them on an old iPod. Yeah. And he, you know, Richie's a tech whiz, so he just yeah. extracted them somehow yeah. and then sent me the MP3s, and then we mastered them and put some of them on the re-release of the... Uh, oh, yeah? Of, um, the, uh, of the... Of Becoming Jackal. Okay. Um, but it was just funny to hear them. Oh, right, so they're, they're there, right? Because so, so some of them so are out now, yeah. Okay, right, so the re-release version of Becoming a Jackal has those. Wow, how did they sound to you? I, I'd never forget hearing those. Really, really... Um, um, I was kind of impressed, yeah. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Oh, yeah, well, be I, impressed. No, I was impressed by the level of... Um, I, I could hear that I, it was someone who was very, like, focusing a lot and trying to, like, make something yeah. which really meant something to that person, you know? Yeah. And um, it was like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I can... I, what I love... What I like about them is that they're, they're, they're obviously very lo-fi and... Um, I obviously didn't know a hell of a lot about how to record things and stuff, but I found a way to get a certain type of sound yeah. in really strange, like you know, going into, I don't know, like um, the toilet of the of the of the house I was living in at the time to to do yeah. certain things to make it sound boxier or whatever, yeah. you know, just f yeah. fun little things like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, you can. Sometimes it's easy to miss those kinds of things because you you know, you get a bit more sophisticated about how you record or, or think about mm. music. And you have to, it was a good reminder of, you, you sometimes, when you're learning stuff and when you're getting better at stuff, it can just be a bit of a house of cards and it can be, maybe it's not always good 
to get better at something in, yeah. in, a, in a sort of you know co- yeah. way. So that yeah. was a nice reminder of that, maybe. Yeah, sure, beautiful. Um, Connor, we're going to hear another song at this point. Where mm-hmm. are we going to? So, what's this one? Well, I was thinking since I've been talking a lot about um, instrumental music, yeah. I thought I'd play the song that I wrote, which is probably the only instrumental song ever released, uh, which is a song called "The Wayland," which was released in 2013. Beautiful. Will I do it? Please do. I'd love to hear it. Right. Here we go. Thanks, Connor. Um, what, sorry, what was it called again? That was called Awayland. Oh, wonderful. What, what record is it? That's from Awayland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Connor, just in terms of the where it's at right now, in terms of this new record, um, is does it have a name? Is it is it where is it is it in the is it in the? I think it? it has a name now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not going to tell. Okay. You. Yeah, that's fine. And. Um, <laughs> But in terms of when it'll have a life, uh, is there a plan at the moment? Yeah, I mean, obviously everything's a bit complicated with trying to figure out if you can promote it and tour and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, but it's looking, hopefully, well, fingers crossed, the summer. 
So I'm expecting, I'm, I'm looking forward to this gigantic explosion of joy and gigs yeah, yeah. and sun and uh, yeah, all of people that. hugging. Fingers crossed. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, something you mentioned earlier about um, uh, an activity that I think I've seen some of the results of your wonderful um, artwork. And um, so this goes back to something that, that you obviously did um, quite well at some point, but didn't do for a long time, am I right in saying? Or, or, or where, where did that kind of kick back in? Or has it always... Yeah, I've always been really into making art. Yeah, B before I was into music, when I was much younger, I was really into drawing and stuff as a kid. So, um, And then I did a portfolio and kind of nearly went to art college. Well, uh, yeah, got into art college, but then didn't decide not to go because it was like a... They told me it would be like 40 hours a week or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I went for arts instead because they said it was 15 hours a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah, and I think I made the right decision personally because it meant I could still kind of focus on stuff. But um, I was enjoying all the lovely privileges of being at a university with a cool library and all that yeah. kind of stuff as well. Yeah, and you still had time um, to, yeah. to do the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, um, but the drawing and the, and the work then and this year you just circumstances gave you the the time or I think or, it was uh, lockdown stuff yeah, yeah. and then it was um, and I'd been thinking about drawing starting to get back into art for a long time and I, yeah. nothing was really I just wasn't feeling it and, and so I just didn't do it but then what happened I don't know I, I was cycling a lot in the over this during both lockdowns yeah. and I kept going to Phoenix Park and. Um, uh, and just kind of cycling around there for quite a long time, uh, and I was kind of inspired. I went there one day for um, for sunrise with a, co with a cousin of mine, and uh, it was just a really beautiful morning. We had coffee and watched the sunrise, and, and then and then I just got back home and started drawing that, and that was kind of the beginning of it. Okay, uh, right. Yeah. So so we'll say they would generally start from. It's not a blank thing. It's some. It's kind of bringing something that you saw to the page, or, or generally. Yeah, but the drawing that I got out of that was kind of this weird frog man. <laughs> on okay. a, on a, on so a, don't expect it to be yeah. uh, the, the papal cross wasn't in there. Amphibian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but so so but Connor, you did the papal cross was in it. Actually, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. sorry, man. Frogs and papal um, cross. Yeah. Look, I I, I should have known better. <laughs> look, I. Yes, but you did them for a reason this time, right? So, so you, you did how many did you do? For I did seventy-five of them, and then um, just decided to sell them um, for uh, Epilepsy Ireland, yeah. um, which is an organisation close to my heart, and yeah. uh, and just yeah, they sold out. It was crazy. It yeah. was just they sold out in like. Are, are there some on eBay already? Ten minutes. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, oh, no, I should have said that. I'm eBay, so cynical. Um, God no, damn it. It's, no, I, what I a beautiful really... thing to do, Connor. And like, <laughs> I've seen the, the bits that I've seen are, um, it's just wonderful your work. Thank so. you. Um, the, um, so let's go back to one more choice. So, so the amazing Bill Withers is um, the last one that we're going to listen to. Um, any little thing you want to say about this one, Connor? Yeah, well, it's, um, uh, I think it's stories. Is it stories that I chose? Um, you chose. Um, stories, I think it is, yeah. Yes, it's stories, absolutely, um, yeah. From, from, from uh, yeah, and I think that album, Justments, is yeah, like Justments, pretty much one of the best albums ever yeah. made by anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, and when I when he died, obviously, recently, um, I just kept listening to this album, like, over yeah. and over and over again, and just, you know, um, 
re, re, reigniting my obsession with it. And um, yeah. uh, but also, I think I chose this song because Dorothy Ashby actually plays. Um, oh yeah, right. She I plays harp at the too. beginning of this yes, tune as well. Right. Okay. Um, which is deadly. W- wonderful. Um, Bring it all together. Um, we'll. T- We'll talk. Excuse me. We'll talk about um, the wonderful adjustments in just a little while. But from that, this stories by Bill Withers. so sweet right it's mm. like it's only a couple of minutes long but um dorothy does a wonderful job there too doesn't mm. it? it kind of elevates it into another yeah. space um and, and adjustments the album uh connie you might talk a little bit about that because it's one that um i mean it's maybe his strongest work even though you know um didn't have any of the the ones that we kind of all know yeah i suppose you know yeah, I just I always think of that famous. I can't remember what TV show it was, but there's a very famous session Bill Withers was in, um, and it was an American TV show. And he's kind of introducing every each song in between, and he's very much like the narrator and, yeah. and the the, the yeah. person kind of in the center. And I've always gotten from that just how much he's like how generous he is with his musicians and how like they're all let loose 
to do their thing, you know. Um, I mean, they're they're holding back quite a lot as well in what they're playing, but they're all totally being themselves in their mm -hmm. styles and stuff. And I can hear that in Justments. I can hear that mm. like it's actually just a group of amazing musicians, and there also happens to be an amazing songwriter who's brilliant at singing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was quite inspiring. I, 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 yeah, I was definitely listening to a lot of. I was sending Bill to the guys in the band when we were. Okay, preparing right. for, you know, <laughs> it's um, another one of those the, ones, yeah. Just to kind of be like, you know, you can hold on to a groove for a bit too long, and that's okay. And then, you know, you can let space happen, and you don't have to fill everything with words all the time as well. Yeah. You know, it can be yeah. very evocative the less you give. You know. Yeah. Right. Sometimes. And, um, well, I'm I'm so intrigued to hear what what comes of of all of this work that you've been talking about. Um, so, Connor, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and thank you so much for for being our guest on today. Me. Um, there's um, you're going to have one more before we close. So, what's the last live tune? Well, today? I, yeah, it's, it's Christmas, so I thought I'd do a Christmas carol, um, and it's probably one of my favourites because. I've been kind of getting into the idea of like devotional music, um, whether it be Bill Withers or um, or Alice Coltrane or whatever. Um, and then I was reminded of this tune recently. Um, the melody of it just blew my mind. I think maybe the first time I heard it was um, probably when I was, you know, very young, watching Home Alone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit in it where it, where it pops up. Yeah. But it's Oh, oh Holy Night, um, yeah. which was oh, I think beautiful. it was called Min Minuet Chris. Christian yeah. initially, but it's the English translation. Um, yeah. There's something about the devotional thing before I let you go, Connor. Um, I, again, uh, Pat Collins' film, Henry Glassy, a collector, um, I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times, but he talks about all art being a kind of devotional reconciliation between you and the world. And I guess, you know, um, devotional music, when it kind of speaks to us, it does kind of reconcile, you know, our sort of, yeah. I think it's also really, I think. It's really needed now. It's yeah. very kind of opposite, you know. It's very kind of like yeah. we're kind of there's something dangerous happening with people's brains at the moment. And I think it's good to kind of like just get back to a sense of having a focus. Yeah. Um, I've as I've yeah I've I've started toying with the idea of just wandering into the church off Grafton Street every now and again or something. I just as in just I never would have done that before, but I'm yeah. starting to realise how important quiet places are. Yeah, you know, sure, shared right. quiet places and good because I just something that you, you glanced upon or past, sorry, and that I wanted to ask you, I'd written down, and something that I've heard you mention stuff about before, and it was about that phone thing about the control that we have surrendered in our lives, all mm. of us more mm. or less. Um, and where that's bringing us and what we're kind of doing to deal with it, right? And and you talk very um, beautifully about how you use your work as a kind of some kind of counterweight or, or some kind of line that keeps you steady because you know that that's how you feel about it or how what. But in general, you know, you watch things like um, the social network or social dilemma or social network, whichever one of those scary documentaries, I don't know, you've probably seen, mm, seen it. Yeah. One, yeah. So like you watch that and you know, I have a, a daughter and son and, I, and I'm terrified for what's happening in the world. And, um, but what do we do about it? I suppose. I mean, in your case, you, you, you keep making you music. You start an ashram, <laughs> me and you, uh, West I, Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but I think, I think what we do is, I mean, what you do is, is 
you, you create space for people to deal with it. And that's what music does, right? Isn't it? It's, it's one of those things. And that's yeah, totally, bring, brings yeah. us to that thing of, of the devotional thing is that that's our church and that's our space. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Sorry, I threw a lot of stuff at you there. No, but I know it's a subject that's <laughs> close to your heart because I guess it's what we're all going through. Yeah, totally. And, and I think with hymns and stuff that, you know, you maybe I would have discounted before because of yeah. the fact that they were connected to religious ideas yeah. or whatever. I've sort of lost that completely now. I just want to feel the because also with 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 music like this, it, there's there, there's there's a real. I just love art that shows you that like someone has really honed a craft, mm -hmm. and the art is actually just them, like it's just them showing you that they've honed that craft. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily they're almost not thinking about the final product. It's just, that's mm -hmm. that's the thing that fell out after they spent all those years mm. getting better at something mm. or whatever. And I think music like like this song and, and, and just really well-structured hymns are just really inspiring right now because, um, or have always been really inspiring, you know? So. Yeah, beautiful. Because it's funny because that Henry Glassy documentary that I talk about, Fieldwork, is all about people who make these beautiful things in, in, in Brazil as it happens, but you know, they make a statue or they, and, and, and that is our reconciliation with the world. And yeah, on that um, bombshell, on that note, not that bombshell, um, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks, Connor. Ellie, thank you. I want to thank um, very much Rico and Ian and, and Tyg and everybody here at the Sugar Club. And thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to Ian Cudmore at home on production. And once more to Connor O'Brien. Give it up for everybody. <laughs> oh, holy night The stars are brightly shining It is the night Of our dear Saviour's birth Long lay the world Sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new. Glorious morn Fall On your knees Oh hear The angel voices On Christ was born Here come the wise men of old. 
Thanks, Connor.